Hello and welcome, Posituners. We are back with episode three of the Positunity podcast. Life is a journey. It's your path. Own it. Listen, I know my story or stories might not be that interesting, which is why I'm looking for people who want to tell their story. Yes, I have plenty of things to fill in the gaps until that happens, but for now, you are going to get, yes, get to endure my stories. Trust me, it's weird to sit here and talk to myself too. I mean, I do it, but normally without the intention of anyone else actually hearing, let alone choosing to listen to my ramblings. (laughs) So thank you for joining. And if you are interested in telling your own positivity story, uh, if you are interested, please reach out. Uh, The social links and emails are out there. The website is positunity.net org or biz and we are at positivity on facebook and insta you can also reach out on those platforms or at positivity now at gmail.com and you know i was thinking also over the the past week or so since the last episode posting about whether this story is or isn't relevant anymore and and thinking back to uh when my quote-unquote, journey started with episode one. Um, And it reminded me that just recently, Mike and I uh, met with someone uh, that lives near us, and their family is going through something like this right now, this crisis of faith and understanding uh, how something they believed for all of that time um, may not be true. So anyway, let's get back into this. I started thinking about what the next story could be, and I decided I should give a little bit more info into how and where I am today. Uh, If you remember, if you go way back and and listen to episode two, my foundation crumbling, which started my journey away from the LDS church. Uh, Like I said with previous episodes, I didn't know this was happening at the time, but with the benefit of hindsight, I do know now. I thought I was just searching for some confirmation of religion, God, my faith, just what is truth? I didn't know. Being LDS at the time, again, around 1998 or so, this wasn't just my first place to go. This was my only place to go. I literally didn't know anything else. Yes, I knew about religions, but... I had gone 19 years thinking there was only one available true option. Never did I imagine the possibility of all of them being right or even okay, let alone that all of them, including my own faith, were wrong. Again, for me, asking if I believe any of it wasn't a question I began with because I could not fathom it being an option. Think about that for a moment. For me, at the time, it would have been like believing the world was flat. My entire life, only to go up into a spaceship somehow and find out it was round all along. The paradigm shift that was happening in my brain back then, it's incomprehensible to me. I just shook my head because I can feel that feeling now again when I say it. 
I was needing to get back to basics, down to the nitty-gritty. I wasn't afraid to ask the questions, and I certainly wasn't afraid of the answers. It was complete blind naivete. This young, innocent, truly at that time, small-town little Mormon boy had no idea what the world, the universe, had in store. When I say I was not afraid to ask the questions, I mean truly ask the questions, being 100% open to whatever the answer might be. I'm going to digress here with another one of my sidebars uh, to explain this point. I remember one time years ago, more than a decade ago at the time, I was still being invited and attending the Saturday evening priesthood session with my dad and brothers. I knew I no longer believed any of it, but this was a chance to hang out with and be around my family. We always met up with, quote unquote, the girls later at a restaurant for dinner. They saved our places. I honestly didn't really listen, and when I did, it was to let it in and right back out. At one point, however, I decided this was no longer serving me. If I wanted to meet my dad and brothers and the women, I could just make those arrangements with my family instead of listening and sitting through a two-hour session I disagreed with. So when my dad called to invite me, I dropped another surprise. Again, this was years later. Yeah, I'm not going to be attending these anymore. You're not? Yeah, I don't believe any of that anymore, Dad. You know I don't believe any of that. So why am I doing this? I love you. I love my brothers. I love the tradition. But Dad, for me, this becomes an event. For you, it is a couple of hours in your hometown dinner with your family and home. I have an extra hour on the front and the back, along with a two-hour meeting and a two hours of dinner, all, all to sit through two hours of something I don't agree with and I don't get to comment on. Why would I want to do that? It's about the time with your family. Yes, you are 100% correct. It is about family, and that is why I have been doing it all this time. My family. It is an excuse, a reason for me to see my family. But dad, family doesn't need a reason. They shouldn't need a reason. Oh, well, I guess that's true. Dad, if I invited you to some non-Mormon religious event or a political event or an LGBTQ event with the promise of dinner afterward, but you can't say anything through the event or say anything about it after the event, would you go? You're right. That makes sense. I would not. Thank you. Thank you for the invite every year, but please stop. The answer from today on for the priesthood session is no. Thank you, but we can go to dinner another time. Can I ask you a question then? Of course, Dad, you can ask me any question. I hope you know that by now. Clarification, of course, this is the glamorized folklore version of this as well. I, I just need to throw that out there. I'm not saying this is a verbatim conversation. 
Dad, son, do you believe in God? Well, this was it, wasn't it? He was going there. Again, this was years after not going on a mission and many other non-LDS happenings in my life, but we'd never gone here. Well, Dad, no, actually. I mean, I'm not saying there isn't a God. I'm just saying, I don't know. Do you believe in our Savior and His atonement for you? I mean, no. No, I don't. Do you believe in Joseph Smith? No, sorry, that one is easy. That's a no. I mean, I believe he was a person, but I uh, do I believe he was a prophet called of God to bring his restored gospel back to earth ahead of his second coming? Again, folklore. Dad, no. I do not. Do you believe in the Book of Mormon? No, Dad, I don't. If I don't believe in the man who created the book, it's kind of difficult to believe in the book. The phone was silent. Mind you, this is happening in my office, at work, in the middle of the day. I'm talking to my dad on a Friday, since that is when this call normally came. And the phone was silent uncomfortably silent for an agonizingly long time. Dad? Wow. More uncomfortable silence. I guess I... I don't know. I just didn't think you were there. I'm sorry. No, 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 no. I am not sorry. You asked the question. I did. I mean, Dad, I'm not saying it to upset you, but I'm also not going to lie to you. You asked. I mean, honestly, I guess that is the lesson. Sometimes the answer isn't... It. I mean, it's just not what we expect. Or from left field, but it's... Now, out of the Aaron believes godless sky. I guess I just didn't expect that. You asked, so I told. I'm not going to sugarcoat anything. So I guess don't ask if you don't want the answer. If you ask, you have to be open to whatever the answer is, not just the one you expect. You're right, and I appreciate it. It's just unexpected. I love you, Dad. I respect you, but I'm not going to pretend. Thank you, son. I love you. I love you, too. So, again, this is an example of one way I got to where I am now. Asking open questions, being open to whatever the answer might be, and often being blindsided by foundation-crumbling, paradigm-shifting, Aaron believes is a godless sky over and over again. At first, I was it was overwhelming and honestly a little defeating. 
Once I got back to basics, however, it became fun, interesting, and informative. I learned more about religion, all religions at this time than at any other time in my life. I was researching anything and everything I could find to draw similarities. Differences, origins, offshoots, sects, sects, say that five times fast, cults, you name it. If it fell under the auspices or umbrella of religion or spirituality, including witchcraft and Native American ceremonies and rituals, everything, everything was fair game. The more I read, the more things sounded the same and the more, for lack of a better word, incredible it all seemed. Incredibly unbelievable. Like I said, the more I dug, the more I found, the more I found, the more questions I uncovered, the more I found, the more nothing made sense. The more I found, the more I wanted to find. I was fascinated. I was eager. I was engaged. The more engaged in finding the truth I became, the more detached from religion I became. I did get to a point of belief in God or some kind of supreme creator, but that was about it. That has since evolved into believing there is something higher energy. We're all connected in this universe in whatever form we may be at the time. Human, pure energy, otherwise, that's neither here nor there and nothing to do with the point that I'm trying to make here. But clarification, because I know people ask, what do you believe? Anyway, I... I kept digging, and the more I found out, the more I faulted men. Yes, men. Again, I'm calling us out. I'm calling us out because it, in our patriarchal society, it is usually men who traditionally, meaning certainly in Joseph Smith's time and prior, who were able or capable of starting religions or businesses or anything in the world. So mankind humans as a species, but specifically males. In any case, even the churches started and run by women. It is us, humans, who mess it up. It's us. If, and again, for me now, this is a big if there is a creator, whatever their plan is, I believe would certainly be all-inclusive. Blacks would have the priesthood. Women would have the priesthood. Gays would have the priesthood. The Green Party would have the priesthood. The last one is obviously to emphasize my point. A creator didn't make all of this thinking, feeling, living beings to have half or more not make it back. It just didn't make sense. It's fear. In my mind, religions succeed because of our human fail failures and human fear. We don't want this to be the end. Who cares if it is, whether it is or isn't this, this life, it's all we know we are guaranteed. So all I'm trying to do is be the best person, the best human I can. If, if I have to answer to some greater being about my life here on earth, I'm good with that. I can answer with a resounding yes 
Yes, I did my best. Yes, I treated people fairly. Yes, I treated everyone, regardless of the labels that they or society have given them, exactly the same. The end. Be a good person, period. That is what I have learned from all of this. You don't need a book. You don't need a prophet. You don't need a savior. You don't need a God to be a good person. You don't. There are good atheists and bad, and I mean really bad, not Aaron Hales or Heather Gay bad, Mormons doing things in the name of or in service of something other than yourself. Just being a good person is just doing it for the wrong reasons. Do good because you want to do good, not because you'll get a reward or you will get punished. Good people just do good. That's it. I don't care what your damn labels are. Are you a good person? When men get involved, when men try to organize and set up a way, the only way when men start revealing what God wants for everyone else, that's when things get complicated for me. That is when there are haves and have-nots. That is when there are good people, strugglers, and it's our duty to help them. That kind of organization, that humanization and religification, yes, I'm, I guess I'm coining that term right now, the religification of spirituality. Spirituality is an individual thing. Religion is organizing one spirituality for for everyone, meaning my personal spirituality must fit into your religion. That doesn't work for me. And honestly, I am not confident it really works for anyone. I'm willing to guess everyone has a tenet of their religion, if they subscribe to one at all, that they don't wholeheartedly agree with or believe in. Don't think so? Let me sidebar again to bring in something I only recently learned in Bad Mormon. Thank you, Heather Gay. Every prophet, from Joseph Smith down to the current Russell M. Nelson, have revealed new quote-unquote truths throughout history, revelations. My first question with this is why? If God's one restored church was brought back to the earth in the 1800s, if God never changes, ergo his one true church wouldn't change. It would just be, right? So why has it all changed so much? Why have there been revelations on revelations on revelations and often unrevealing something another prophet quote-unquote revealed? Case in point, the current Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints title, the full name, not LDS, not Mormon, that revelation to Russell M. Nelson, the current prophet, undoes what has been practiced. Remember, I said this in a previous episode, a revelation is needed to undo something that just became the norm. 
The problem in my mind, and hopefully yours, is why did the current prophet suddenly have this revelation? Wouldn't God have known what he wanted his church called? I know this might be nitpicking, but truly, God's one true church is not the same as it was in many fundamental ways as when Joseph Smith started it. I'm not going to dive into all the changes. I'm merely pointing them out with this specific instance because Russell M. Nelson already made this quote-unquote revelation years ago when he was just an apostle for the church. He was rebuked for it at the time. But suddenly, now that he's the prophet, it's official. I know the explanations around this. I have gotten them for other things. I'm, I'm going to put a simple one here to move on, and that is the world just wasn't ready and Nelson was prepping things back in the 80s or whenever he said that. Yeah, no, not for me. If God restored the fullness of his gospel in 1800, shouldn't have been the 1800 version or the 2020 version or the 3000 version, unless, of course, one of those versions is the absolute truth. The problem is what the problem was and what it always will be. We don't know when the earth or universe, for that matter, ends. So we don't know what the final draft of any religion or humanity, for that matter, will even look like. But we should, if it was the fullness. It would have been the fullness then, now, in the Bible, and forever, and always. And we all know that is just not the case. Every religion has, like the people who populate it, evolved over time and continues to evolve. But God, at least my understanding of the concept of God, is that he, yes, he is constant. That religions that God has inspired across the world in all its forms have all changed from what they were originally. If they haven't, they're likely not around. It is this very concept of organized religion that gives me issue. It certainly gives me issue with the church claiming exclusivity on truth. The fact that there are so many to me means there are just that many that have something, if not many or all things, wrong. Ultimately, however, if it works for you, if it makes you a better person, then so be it. I absolutely acknowledge and accept that Mormonism and my upbringing have shaped the person who I am today. Even if I don't hold to the exact same beliefs at my core any longer, I may not hang to all the beliefs and principles, but pretending they didn't shape me into who I am today would just simply be untrue. All of this is a digression from what I really wanted to dive into with this topic, which is motivation. My motivation behind my search for truth. I didn't expect this to be a journey away from the church. I thought it was to firm up and solidify the testimony I thought I had. Unfortunately, exposed it exposed the fact that the testimony I was regurgitating was just that. Parroting what I had heard others say, 
mimicking what I was supposed to say and feel. It was never actually there, but I was employing the fake it until you make it, I suppose. Although, as I say it, it wasn't that entirely, because at the time I was going through all of this, I didn't think I was faking. I just thought this was the process. In my head, I believed everyone had to go through this at some point. I was a late bloomer, I guess. I didn't know why I had never questioned. I, I don't know why I hadn't truly felt the spirit around the truthfulness of the LDS church. I just knew once I looked for it, it wasn't actually there. What I had felt was what I had told myself I would feel. I felt good about saying it because I was saying it. It wasn't what I was saying that made me feel good. It was that I was saying it, if that makes sense. It was just the act of saying, I love the Lord, then the church and Joseph Smith, all of it. Saying it was the good feeling. The reward was the action and the action was the reward. Faking it or not being true was not an option. What it was and this is where I really wanted to get to, was something to be successful in. I mentioned this in the previous episodes, but at this time in my life, I was really working toward confirmation, going on a mission and succeeding out in the mission field too. I was going to be the best missionary wherever I was called to serve. I hoped I would get called to one of those hard missions where they only baptize one person the entire time. I would get there and blow the record, whatever it was, out of the water. I was going to win my mission too. So I dove into my quest, my, my research the way I would anything else in life. I jumped in from the highest cliff into the deepest water without a life jacket jacket and not realizing I hadn't even actually swum here before. I had just accepted everything. I never questioned. I certainly didn't ask my own questions. I took everything in. I didn't realize I was in the kiddie pool and could put my feet down at any point. This was different. I approached it the same way, though. This was my doctorate thesis at the time. Every waking moment was spent researching, thinking, or asking questions to know the truth. I had footnotes and sources and cross-references, and you name it, I was going to win this project. Here is the side story I wanted to get to, and it is going to include my bragging. But it is to emphasize a point because of the things I'm including here are things that don't matter to me anymore, but seemed gigantic when they happened. The mission. I was going to go. I was going to be the best. School. I was not the number one student in my class, but I was among the top students in my school. When I participated in something, I wanted to win that something. Once I won, I usually didn't care anymore. Mission, ironically, accomplished. If there was something I could be involved in at school, I wanted 
to lead it. If there was a club I was interested in, I wanted to be in it. If there was a sport I cared about, I wanted in and a win. Once I won a contest, I didn't need to do it again. Once I won a, a, a state medal for swimming, I was done. Once I hit a home run in baseball, I was done. Once I got my Eagle Scout, I didn't care about Scouts anymore. Whenever I did something, running for something, entering a competition, participating in anything, I went all in and overboard. Sterling Scholar, people enter at most one or two. I think I entered four. Missionary Week. Get a thousand points for the reward. Well, I'll get all the points possible. National Honor Society. I'll put down everything I've ever done so I get the highest possible score. Not really what I was planning to do, but I was informed later by the advisor that I came to know better that I had indeed set the bar. I'm saying all these things to illustrate my point. Education, work, church, clubs, games didn't matter. I wanted to be the best. I worked to be the best. I was not always number one, but I did get frustrated when I was not. I also say all of this because I want to want to make it clear. This was all me, Aaron Hale, striving to be the best, striving to gain knowledge and understanding in order to succeed at whatever the goal was. This search for truth was another thing to exceed at, at the time, the way all others were. Work, study, research, dig, practice, whatever it takes, I will get this too. Never, however, did I succeed like this. I had always seen success as a predetermined destination. You know where you want to go, where you need to get to, and there's always a neat little path up to that destination, even if it was overgrown a little, maybe a little further than you thought, maybe a little more difficult, but still always there and always clear. I was not prepared for. In fact, I didn't even know there were other options. I had been so focused on the destination, assuming there was only one path. And my goal was to get there on this path. Here, though, I was constantly finding myself pushed or pulled or thrown off the path. I kept reorienting myself back to true north and the path to find my answers, only to be flung into the overgrown field once again. It took many, many of these detours for me to realize that all the ways, quote-unquote, work. I didn't have to keep backtracking to get on the path. I could just accept my new position and move forward toward the goal. I could blaze my own trail. Indeed, I should make my own path. Wait, why am I following someone else's path? It was my absolute determination to win that kept, my, kept me going. It was my determination to be the best at life that kept me surging on for the truth. It took years for me to recognize that the destination was the goal, not how I get there. This journey I had started on morphed into something altogether different from what I thought it would be. 
It was because my parents had taught me to be strong, to question, to think for myself, to yearn for understanding and truth that I was able to get to this point, here, today. But it was because of everything that happened up to this point that made it possible. It was because I wanted truth. I wanted to be the best at my religion. Then when that started failing, when it started falling apart, I just wanted to be the best at whatever my belief landed on. That became my search, the true search for truth, not just confirmation of a firmly held belief. It was frightening on that side of things. I was 19 years old. And I'm, I'm speaking about this now at 45 with the benefit of time, more years between then and now than I had even been alive at the time, at 19, in Spanish Fork, Utah, in 1998. This was the end of the world as I knew it, or so I thought. It was, in fact, a positunity in the making. In fact, the first positunity. That's it. That's my story. Obviously, it's not all. As I said, that's just the start. But it is important because it was the start. The reason I am here doing this today, the reason many, if not all, the things that have happened in my life since then are because of this moment. Join next time. I don't know what I will talk about, but the journey always continues. Be well.